0: The following sermon is from Roland Kramer, guest preacher at Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here is Roland Kramer. Have you ever been blown away, overwhelmed by the grace and kindness of God in your life? David? The second king of Israel was established on his throne. He had completed the transfer of the Ark of the Covenant of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of Jerusalem where he had pitched a tent for it. And now in Second Samuel chapter 7, we see that King David was settled in his palace and that the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. David is one of the most prominent and important figures in all of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, because Jesus Christ came into our world through the line of David. And he is called uh, the Son of David as he is um, is praised, as Jesus is praised in the New Testament, particularly um, on the the day of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That was one of the titles that the crowd was shouting out, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord and to the son of David. And so uh, it's very important for us to understand David's place in the redemptive history that God has uh, set before us in the Scriptures. But it's also important for us to understand that David was just a human being like every one of us, and though there are some wonderful things that David accomplished through his life and his service to the Lord and his service to God's people, there are also some times when David uh, fell short of the glory of God and uh, and he sinned against the Lord and did things that he knew he should not do. And yet his heart was tender before the Lord He was one uh, who sought the Lord, and when he did do something wrong, when he did sin against the Lord and was convicted of that sin, he was quick to repent of that sin and to turn to God and to ask for God's forgiveness and God's cleansing for his guilt. But as we look at this seventh chapter of 2 Samuel this morning, we see that David is at this comfortable point in his life. You remember for 6 or 7 years he had been the anointed king of Israel, but uh he had been in hiding because uh, Saul was still the king of Israel reigning on the throne and Saul was dead set to destroy David as his uh, successor. He Saul viewed David as an enemy, and so he sought to put him to death and pursued him with his army, with troops on numerous occasions. But God was watching over David and kept him safe and brought him finally to the day when after Saul had been killed in battle, uh, David could be uh, anointed King of the Southern Tribe of Judah, and then eventually anointed the King of the whole nation of israel and Now we find David at this time of rest in his life, where God has given him rest from his enemies. He is firmly established on his throne, and in fact, a wonderful palace of cedar and stone has been built for him, and he 's kind of comfortable life is good he 's in a good place. And as he's reflecting upon this, he realizes that here he has brought the Ark of the Covenant, which is, which symbolizes the presence of God in the midst of his people Israel. And he has brought it to Jerusalem, but he has housed it in a tent. And somehow, looking around and seeing his beautiful palace and the stability of this place where he has to live... Uh, brings him to think, wait a minute, the ark of the Lord is still in a tent. I, I should build a permanent dwelling for God in the midst of Israel. And and that's what's on his heart. And so one day, as we see here at the beginning of chapter 7, uh, he says uh, in verse, I can't read it, verse 2, uh, he said to Nathan the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan says to the king, "Well, go ahead, do all that is in your heart, for obviously the Lord is with you, the Lord is blessing you." Now, I think this is kind of interesting for this prophet Nathan to give such a quick response to David's uh, comment and uh, then da- Nathan goes home then, and that night the Lord speaks to Nathan and he says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh this is not my plan. It's not my plan for David to build a house for me. It's not my plan for David to Build a temple for me. And so God speaks to Nathan that night, and uh, he gives him a vision. Uh, to share with, with David. He gives him a message to share with David. So first, David proposes to build a house for the Lord in verses 1 through 3. But then in verses 4 through 17, God flips that. I don't know if you watch those programs on television about flipping houses, but this is, this is a situation where God flips the whole situation, not just the house. David says, I want to build a house for the Lord. David says, No, you're not the one to build a house for me. But I'm going to build a house for you. Can you imagine that? And so read with me in verses 4 through 17. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling." And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them so that they will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more. As formally. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. In doing some research for the message this morning, I uh, was on to Google and I was checking some um, quotes from the Bible and I discovered that archaeologists, even today, are not in 100% agreement that King David ever really existed. There are some some archaeologists who who continue to insist that he's just a figment of the Israelites imagination. He's a uh, he's a legend written into the scriptures. He wasn't a historical or an historical, however you prefer, person and and we can't find any real evidence that he ever truly existed. Well, I don't some of you may have been to Israel, some of you may have visited Jerusalem. I had the opportunity to do that in the fall of 2013. And do you know that there is a tomb of David in Jerusalem? So, uh, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel apparently believe that David was a historical figure, that he really was a king in Israel. And they have a tomb right there that says this is where he's buried in the city of Jerusalem. So uh, I, I don't know about these archaeologists, where they're coming from. I know what the Word of God says, and the Word of God says David did exist. And we have David's story given to us in the Word of God, and I believe that it's true, and I trust that God truly did have this encounter with David, this conversation with David through his messenger, the prophet Nathan. And so uh, let me continue on here. Verse 10, And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house." "'When your days are fulfilled "'and you lie down with your fathers, "'I will raise up your offspring after you "'who will come from your body, "'and I will establish his kingdom. "'He shall build a house for my name, "'and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. "'I will be to him a father.' In in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. And so David... Uh, received this message from the Lord, although his his intention was good, the desire in his heart to honor God by building a temple for him in which the ho- the Ark of the Covenant could be housed was a good thing, yet David was not God's chosen person to do that and he spoke uh, to him in this way. Now we get a little more light on this in 1st Chronicles chapter 28 verse 3 where David testifies that in this context the Lord said to him, "You may not build a house for my name for you are a man of war and have shed blood." David was involved in much warfare before he became king of Israel. And even after he became king of Israel, and God said, I'm going to have someone else build the tabern- or build the temple for me, not you. You've been involved in all this warfare and have shed blood with your own hands, and so you're not going to be the one to build the temple. But your son will build a temple for my name, and I will establish your house in order that the, the dynasty of David's house will rule forever on the throne of Israel. In verses 4 through 17, God promises to build a house for David, and that's in the sense that David will always have a descendant on the throne of Israel. Now, that's that's completely different from what happened with Saul. You remember Saul was chosen by God to be the first king of Israel, but Saul's heart was not in tune with the Lord. And Saul sought his own agenda instead of uh, being obedient to the commands of God, who was directing him to lead the people of Israel. And as Saul got more and more off track from walking in the center of God's will for his life and for Israel, then eventually uh, he got to the point where God put him aside and said, You will no longer be king of Israel. Your descendants will no longer reign on the throne of Israel. I'm going to raise up for Saul someone a man after I'm going to raise up for myself a man after my own heart and he will be the one that will lead Israel after you and of course that man after God's own heart was David and now here he is in this place where God has placed him and so God not only promises that David will have a house in the sense that his sons after him will rule on the throne of Israel, he also promises that David's son and successor will build a house for the Lord. Now look at David's response in verses 18 through 24. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Have you ever done that? You know, you've just gotten away, gotten someplace into your inner room, so to speak, or someplace where you can be alone and just sat before the Lord. Dave is just overwhelmed right now with, with God's grace and God's blessings in his life and this word that God has spoken to him through Nathan. And so he went in, and he sat before the Lord, and he said, "'Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far?' And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God." You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind. So listen up. This is instruction for all of us, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great. That sentence, you might want to read that two or three times. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but the point is that God drove out the nations of Canaan, a nation and their gods, before the people of Israel to bring them into Palestine, into Canaan, uh, this land that they now inhabit. And verse 24, and you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever The word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house. And so uh, David just pours out his heart in gratitude to the Lord. God had reminded David of his humble beginning as the youngest of eight sons. Some think it was seven sons, but anyhow, a lot of sons of Jesse and a keeper of his father's flock of sheep. He was the youngest, low man on the totem pole, so to speak. And so he had the responsibility of being out there building of being out there in the field with the sheep and keeping watch over his uh, father's flock, tending them as a shepherd. That's where we get the 23rd Psalm from David's experience out there with uh, his father's sheep and the presence of the Lord with him during that time and communing with the Lord while he was doing that job. And so God reminded David of of his humble beginnings. Uh, Jesse was a man of some means. I mean, he was a successful uh, man Manager of his household, uh, he had crops. He was able to send uh, foodstuffs along with uh, to his sons who were serving in Saul's army, and so he was he was okay. He was comfortable, but he was not a wealthy man in Israel. He was not a man of of high status in Israel, and so David has come from the house of Jesse, and God has exalted him and made him king over the nation of Israel. And so uh, David is just pouring out his heart in gratitude to God for all of these things that God has done for him. In response to this message and in realization of how God has indeed blessed him, he pours out his heart, and his expression of thanks is twofold. First, he's grateful that God has chosen him to lead God's people Israel. And along with that, that uh, he has promised to establish David's house after him to rule over Israel forever. And then secondly, he's grateful that God has determined to establish and bless Israel as a nation and a people of God in the world. And so with all of this in his heart, all of this, you know, just swelling in his mind concerning God's blessings, God's goodness, God's grace extended to him, now David turns and he prays to the Lord in verses 25 through 29. Let's go back and read. Uh, I read part of that, but let's go back and read that again, beginning at verse 25. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of Hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you, for you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. David understands that as long as God is in this, that God will bring it to pass, and because God has promised this, that God will undig fulfill what He has promised to do for David for his uh, descendants after him for those who will serve on the throne of of Israel after him and in fact forever as uh, we understand we understand looking back from the new testament perspective that david as as i said as the father of of uh, Jesus Christ God came in or Jesus Christ came into the world through the line of David and is therefore called a son of David as one of his titles we understand then that this forever blessing upon the house of David is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ who comes from heaven to rule over all of God's creation in peace for all eternity and we're looking forward to that day aren't we Jesus Christ, the clouds (laughs) open, and there's that shout from heaven, and the Lord himself descends from heaven, and here he is with heaven's army to, to take control and to establish his righteous kingdom forever and ever, and to gather his children to himself and to keep them with him for eternity. David is humbled as God speaks to him in this way through the prophet Nathan, and as you reflect upon your life and the grace of God that has been extended to you, I I hope that all of us are humbled. (laughs) I hope that all of us feel like David, like we just want to get into a a room by ourselves and sit in the presence of God and, and just bask in His grace And give him the glory for all that he is and for all that he has done for us personally, for me personally, for you personally. God is good. He is gracious. He has blessed us in so many ways. I can ask that same question that David asked. Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? (laughs) it's incomprehensible. I am just now about a month away, a little over a month away from what would be, Lord willing, my 71st birthday. And so I would have completed my three score and 10, and anything after that is gravy, right? So... um, to look back upon my life and to see my beginnings and to see God's hand in my life as a little child and the things that he did for me, I am so blessed. I mean, I know people uh, and I know of people who, who had nothing like what I had as a child. They didn't have a family like i had as a child they didn't have parents who loved them and who nurtured them and who did whatever they could to guide them in the way of god's word in the way of god's plan for their lives they didn't have a church family who took them in So that instead of having, I I never really spent very much time with my grandparents as a child. Uh, We didn't live near, we, we lived near my dad's parents for a while, but we really weren't close with them because their life track was on a different direction than ours and my my maternal grandparents lived in texas we lived in the bay area in california so (laughs) that was a long way off in those days and we just i didn't see my maternal grandparents very many times in my life even though they lived well into their 90s and yet in all the churches that I attended as a child and as a youth and then through the years in the ministry, I've had grandparents all over the place. (laughs) And I am so blessed by the way that God has brought people into my life who've been able to speak wisdom from the Lord into my experience, into my understanding, to help me to know what it means to walk with God, to experience his daily presence, to experience his daily blessing in my life. And so I I join with David in his prayer, Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? I'm unworthy of your grace and mercy. I'm unworthy of your forgiveness and cleansing. I'm Unworthy of all of the blessings that you have richly poured out into my life, and yet here I stand, a new creation and a child of God in Christ Jesus. Go figure. <laughs> I mean, you, you, well, they would say you can't write this stuff. Well, but God did. <laughs> you see? That's the point. God did write this stuff, and God does do this stuff, and God does bless us in this way. When we learn to open our hearts to him and his word and receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, then we are a new creation, and everything is changed. Everything is new, and there's a whole new path (laughs) for the future when we are in Christ, because we're part of this forever plan that God has for David and his uh, children after him. I want to encourage you as we approach this time of remembrance of the Lord's Supper this morning to join with David in reflection upon God's grace, God's mercy, God's blessings extended to you in Christ Jesus. Yes, through the cross. Yes, through the resurrection and the empty tomb. But also through the daily presence of Christ Jesus by God's Holy Spirit dwelling with us in and through his word and helping us to walk in fellowship with our God as his beloved children. Reflect upon God's grace and mercy and provision in your life. And then, as you remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you, celebrate that God has brought all that to fulfillment in your heart, in your mind, in your life, in your experience. And you can, you can, you can join in this prayer. Who am I? Lord God. That you have done all of this for me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for David. And though, as the Scripture says, concerning Elijah, he was a man of like passions as we are, and he made mistakes, he sinned, yet his heart was in tune with you, and when he became aware of his sin, his desire was to be reconciled to you in faith and to continue to walk according to your holy ways. And, Lord, we thank you now for the Scriptures that you have given to us. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who dwells with us and within us to help us to walk in your holy ways. And we pray that you would continue to work in us that new life that Jesus Christ died on the cross to secure for us in order that not only day by day in, at this time, but also for all eternity, we may be joined with all the children of God and all the inhabitants of heaven, lifting our hearts and our voices in praise to you in wonder of your marvelous love, of your amazing grace, of your wonderful blessings extended to us. May you be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Roland Kramer. For more messages and information, please visit us at com. That's E-B-C-R-A-L-E-I-G-H dot com.